G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. The special edition of 2020 today, a pre-election panel of the best Christian leaders, lobbyists and commentators grappling with tomorrow's federal election. We're assessing what's at stake, the leaders' performances, the biggest issues and looking at predictions for the days ahead. Greg Bondar, Family Voice Australia State Director for New South Wales and the ACT is joining us. Hello, Greg. Welcome. Good morning, Neil. And also Peter Abetz, Western Australian ACL State Director. Uh, Peter, welcome to you. It's good to be with you. I've got a little bit of feedback coming. We'll just uh, see if that uh, persists. Uh, let me just come to you first of all, Peter Abetz. Uh, in Western Australia, there's things are looking fairly, fairly close in, in at least four seats. What are your insights into what's happening in WA so far as the election goes? Look, it's uh, going to be very, very tight in a number of seats. Um, Pierce, uh, Cowan and Canning are of particular interest to uh, Christians, I think, because uh, all three seats have a very solid Christian candidate. Um, in Pierce, we've got Linda Aitken. Uh, that seat was vacated by Christian Porter, the Attorney General. Um, and there's a tight race between Linda and Tracy Roberts, who's... Tracy's the uh, mayor at Wanneroo. So um, that is a seat that Labor is desperate to pick up. And <clears throat> polls are indicating that they probably will pick that at this stage. Um, Cowan is um, an interesting one because uh, that's held by Anne Arley of Labor. And it was one of the most marginal seats in the country. And with a big redistribution that occurred, uh, Vince Connolly, who's a very uh, capable MP. His seat of Stirling was abolished, so he's now contesting that seat uh, of Cowan uh, against Anne Arley. Um, and then we've got Canning with uh, Andrew Hastie uh, running against Amanda Hunt, uh, the Labor candidate. But general consensus is that Andrew Hastie is reasonably safe. And then, of course, in Curtin, we've got an interesting situation, which is it, Curtin is a very safe Liberal seat, but uh, one of the um, Climate 200 uh, candidates, Kate Cheney, is contesting that, and it looks like it's going to go down to the wire. Uh, down to the wire, indeed. In fact, leaders in visiting WA indicating that seats are in play there and could actually sway the election. Uh, just, uh, uh, Peter Rebetz, uh, how, how close these seats, and is there an indication that the way those seats go in Western Australia might actually determine an outcome? Well, uh, the, um, both Labor and Liberal have uh, recognised that, that Western Australia is crucial to the outcome of the election, as, and particularly also Queensland, of course. But, um, yeah, Pierce and uh, the other seat that they're hoping, that Labor's hoping to pick up is the seat of Swan that was vacated by um, 
Steve Irons, a long-term serving member. It's always been a fairly marginal seat, but um, uh, yep, Steve Irons was always able to hold on to that, uh, being a fairly active local member for his seat. But, of course, the benefit of incumbency is now gone, and so uh, it'll be interesting to see who actually wins that seat. But uh, Swan and Pierce are the two that that Labor is pinning their hopes on. Greg Bondar, your State Director for Family Voice Australia in New South Wales and the ACT, have you been monitoring your neck of the woods closely in how things look for uh, perhaps uh, seats that might be going one way or another? Uh, any upsets that you're aware of? Yeah, look, I have spoken to a few of the candidates and uh, in particular... Um, the ones we need to be watching, of course, are Wentworth with Dave Sharma. You've got independents there making a lot of inroads, the, the till candidates. Uh, Werrell is one you'll need to keep a close eye on. I think that'll be really contestable. But also, don't forget North Sydney, where you've got uh, Trent Zimmerman, the sitting member, who's a, a, a self-declared uh, LGBTIQA person. That's going to be a big challenge there as well. So I think the Liberals are in trouble in that particular seat, in my opinion, along with Wentworth as well. And uh, then you've got a number of hosts of other seats. But Mel, you know, I, I've stopped predicting uh, the seats. I think we're getting more American in our elections and we tend to vote for the leader rather than sometimes the actual candidate, which is uh, a good or a bad thing, depending on your view on politics now. Peter Abetz, in WA, I mean, we've been talking about the uh, the political spectrum, those on the far left, uh, those on the far right, uh, the different sides of the spectrum, and we've uh, been talking about the ACL resources, in fact, and we'll talk about the family voice resources as well, but, but a political spectrum. Uh, how have you noted that people in Western Australia have been gravitating uh, one side or another, left and right? Uh, has it been a tussle? Uh, it certainly has, and I think the um, situation in Curtin, uh, which is you know traditionally a rock solid, safe uh, Liberal seat, um, the fact that um, Kate Cheney, the climate or teal uh, candidate, uh, is neck to neck with uh, Celia Hammond, the Liberal candidate. Um, there seems to be a, um, a swing towards progressiveness, if I, for want of a better term, you know, pro LG, because like uh, Kate Cheney, uh, she's um, a yeah, uh, big issue, climate change and the LGBTQ agenda. And that seems to resonate with some of the, uh, yeah, the progressive side of the the Liberals uh, or former people who normally support the Liberal Party uh, have gone over to supporting Kay Cheney. And I mean, the very fact that Julie Bishop um, has been barracking for Kay Cheney uh, yeah, it tells you something about that whole situation. I think the I think all of Australian politics has tended to shift to the left. I remember my brother Eric, uh, that's Senator Eric Abetz, when he was... Um, when he entered the Senate in 1994, he was 
considered a middle-of-the-road liberal, and now people refer to him as an extreme right-wing liberal. And as he says, guess what? I haven't shifted, but everybody else has shifted around me. So I think there's been a general shift to the left in politics uh, in, in the country. This general shift to the left, it can have big ramifications in an election. Greg Bondar, you're something of an authority now on wokeism and uh, your recent release of your book, Silencing of the Lambs. You've noticed this shift to the left as well. It has major ramifications, doesn't it, for the whole nation? Oh, absolutely. And I think Peter makes a good point. The the Christian political spectrum, uh, Neil, you've got to be aware that not all Christians vote Liberal, not all Christians vote National Party. Uh, the mm. Christian political spectrum has really moved both the left and the right. And I've got Christians now that are telling me, uh, we might be reading the wrong Bible, I'm not sure, but they're telling me they're pro-LGBTIQA, they're pro-same-sex marriage, they're pro-euthanasia. So the spectrum has really widened. And I think, you know, Peter made the point that it's getting more and more um, uh, divisive in, in, in that regard. But don't forget here in New South Wales in particular, Catherine Deans is uh, going to be a big electoral influence on those people that are either on the left or the right. And this year we don't have a Christian Democratic Party either, so they're not putting any candidates up as far as we know. We've only got the Australian Christians in WA, as Peter would know. But, but really, Neil, the spectrum is getting wider. Peter is quite right. I know Eric very well because I, I was in Parliament with him at the time when we were talking, that uh, the deal is now that the Liberals are getting far more left and Labor are getting a bit more right. So it's going to be harder and harder to choose between the two. Peter Abetz, NWA, just to, to touch on this, Australian Christians, uh, last party standing when it comes to a, a tried and true uh, Christian-based party, uh, they're standing candidates in the lower house and in the upper house too. Uh, any thoughts on the prospects for Australian Christians in WA? Look, uh, I think the what the Australian Christians have going for them is the fact they've been a very stable party. Uh, they haven't been riven by factional feuds or anything like that. And uh, they're the only minor party that I'm aware of in Western Australia that actually maintains an office between elections. And so um, Mareika Grunewald, who's the state director and also the sen- one of the Senate candidates for the Australian Christians, um, she certainly is very active. And um, I think... That augurs well for the long-term future for the party, but um, the the difficulty for them is just simply lack of resourcing and also the fact that um, so many Christians just do not understand what the real issues are, that um, you know, things like religious freedom, the rights of um, uh, uh, faith-based schools to teach according to their ethos and all of that, uh, that that whole spectacle that happened with the religious discrimination bill. Um, I went out door knocking with the team from ACL in uh, uh, Pierce and in Cowan on two successive Saturdays, and we just found that the general public uh, has no idea about those issues because certainly here in West Australia, the mainstream media just didn't cover it. Um, the only people that were aware of it were people who, when we door knocked as ACL volunteers, said, oh, yeah, we, we get your emails or, you know, this is the Martin Isles. They were the only ones that were aware of the, of the issues. So uh, we really have a, a big challenge there in terms of um, uh, yeah, uh, getting traction. But uh, 
I mean, in the lower house, obviously, they don't have any opportunity of getting anything. But uh, in the Senate, one would hope that uh, it'll at least raise their profile sufficiently that perhaps in the state election, uh, the next state election, they may be able to secure a seat in the upper house because the voting system has changed. Mark McGowan's changed that to the New South Wales kind of system where the whole state becomes the electorate. They only need about two and a half percent of the primary vote to be able to secure a seat. So that could could create an opportunity for that party, but who knows? There's a need, isn't there? And uh, Greg Bondar, uh, wonderful organisation, Family Voice Australia, been around for more than 40 years. Uh, the Australian Christian Lobby, now sort of 20 years old and really making an impact, growing a grassroots level following. And uh, Greg Bondar, things don't always cut through into the mainstream of Australia, what the Christians are saying. Somehow or other, you've got to grow the base, it's got to be big and it's got to be active to actually get its voice heard. Yeah, totally right, Neil. <clears throat> I should say that next year, Neil, we're celebrating our 50th year as uh, Family Voice Australia. I know we've had a few name changes, but uh, so we've been around for a while. One of the things I've noticed, Neil, is that the people that are joining uh, Family Voice in particular are, are from a wide and a diverse background, both in terms of education, in terms of age, in terms of qualifications, and in terms also of their political beliefs, and uh, not to mention their denomination as well, Neil, but what I'm finding is that you know, people are getting more diverse in their outlook. You know, as I said, that uh, uh, there are diverse views, and, uh, and people are still trying to make up their mind in terms of how they're going to vote, whether they're Christian or not. But we've found at Family Voice, you know, that our resources have been very useful. As you know, we don't tell people how to vote. We tell people to vote with a biblical conscience now. So that's an important point I want to make that, uh, you know, you make up your own mind, but make do it on a biblical worldview. Uh, it's the way to go. <clears throat> uh, let me ask the two of you, and we'll come to you, Peter Abetz. Christian schools, uh, these are so important. Uh, people are surprised when they recognise the number of Christian and independent schools, something like 40% of all schools. It's one of those wonderful institutions that's grown in Australia and really, in some sense, characterises our Australian nation. There's so many Christian schools. And yet, Christian schools are the ones with most to lose when it comes to issues around religious discrimination, a woke agenda, trying to silence and shut down the ability of Christian schools to be able to function according to a Christian ethos. Do people, Peter, appreciate just how valuable it is to maintain that sort of independence of Christian schools from being under the government thumb? Look, I think the people who send their people who have a Christian faith certainly value that uh, the the freedom that uh, the school has to teach children uh, their children uh, um, in keeping with a Christian uh, faith. But uh, the reality is that unfortunately, some uh, uh, schools that uh, would be identified as Christian in inverted commas actually have embraced the uh, LGBT view of the world. Uh, which is quite concerning, but the schools that are faithful to Scripture, um, as I would understand Scripture, um, and they uh, they certainly see the the seriousness of what nearly happened there in February with the religious discrimination bill, which uh, in effect had that had uh, that bill gone through uh, with those amendments, 
effectively would have meant that uh, there would be real danger in a Christian school actually teaching the traditional understanding of human sexuality and gender. And when you tell people that, they can't say, what? Um, like when I was out door knocking with our team, when I mentioned that, people said, really? And, and they were just shocked that that could possibly happen. But again, you know, the mainstream media do not tell that side of the story. Greg Bondar, is this the case? You've been hearing these things. Uh, what's at stake here? And as uh, Peter is reflecting there, what are your thoughts around uh, the feelings about Christian schools? And when people actually hear the truth, uh, does that change their mind about where, yeah. the way they might think even about voting? Yeah, that, that is a good question, Neil, because um, a few weeks ago I had the opportunity to talk to Mark Spencer, of course, from the Christian Schools organisation, and, and we both agree that the religious discrimination uh, issue remains very active among the faith groups, uh, really concerned about whether they will be able to teach traditional doctrine into the future without falling uh, afoul of the law. And parents are ringing me, Neil, and asking me, What's going to happen to the religious discrimination bill? Will it be uh, coming forward with either of the two governments, whoever forms government after the election? And the general view, Neil, is that, you know, whether you like it or not, the religious discrimination bill will not go away. It's going to affect us, in particular education, and I think we need to look at that. It's going to affect us in terms of uh, the um, Sex Discrimination Act, that's going to pop up again, whichever party wins. So there's a real issue with parents, Neil, in terms of the education of their children. Will their children be able to be taught traditional Christian doctrine without having to be, uh, you know, falling afoul of the law in terms of speaking against um, uh, LGBTIQA philosophy, ideology? So, Neil, it's a real issue, one that I think, you know, is, is a sort of, lying dormant at the moment, but it will surface again now. Peter Abetz, do people feel in Western Australia angry with the government? Uh, obviously, there's a major support for the state Labor government, uh, and there may be some anger that has been already present in WA. Is that overflowing into the federal sphere? Are people angry with uh, Scott Morrison, with the coalition? Uh, How is that playing out? Look, it's an interesting uh, scenario is that in Christian circles, uh, there is a strong element that is very uh, upset with the vaccine mandates that were in place. Uh, many, many hundreds of people uh, have lost their jobs because of the, um, of the mandates. And the sense is that you know, Scott Morrison should have put his foot down and not allowed the premiers to do that. But most people don't recognise that it's actually a state issue. And most people, unfortunately, think of you know, Scott Morrison equals president of the United States who can make a kind of an edict and, and has that sort of power. But our political system is so very, very different. And I keep reminding people that um, yeah, the, the anger they have about the um, the vaccine mandates and losing their jobs and all that sort of thing uh, is actually something that needs to be directed to the state rather than to the federal. But people just can't get that out of their head. Um, so that's, that's I think, a real handicap for uh, the Liberals uh, here in WA. Uh, and I think we'll see a significant vote for the minor parties that have 
um, uh, yeah, put it made it clear that they are opposed to the uh, to the vaccine mandates. So I don't know, to what extent that will actually translate into a significant vote, I don't know, because most of those people would um, uh, are very upset with Labor as well. Uh, so uh, just where their votes will go remains to be seen. But um, mm-hmm. overall, I think the... Uh, people tend to vote on the emotions rather than actually doing an objective assessment of what government has done or achieved and uh, whether there's perhaps an element of people are sick and tired of the the whole COVID thing and there's a sense of, hey, we want to move on and whether that's going to uh, motivate some people to vote for parties that they've never voted before because they kind of want to change from where we've been. Who knows? I, I, th- I think it's going to be a very, very, very interesting uh, turnout um, mm-hmm. um, uh, election in terms of what the results will be and just where where people's votes go. Um, uh, I think it's an incredibly difficult election to call. There's been a common thread through our conversation on this special edition of 2020 about being prepared. Uh, There's a certain sense in which there's a danger in this election of getting your vote wrong, not paying attention to it, perhaps being a little lazy and just going to the polling booth and uh, and and just voting any any old way. Uh, attention to preferences important here. Greg Bondar, what are you telling people about how they take their vote seriously this time around? And Neil, that is such a good question because I've been doing some data research, and I can tell you, as of Wednesday, Neil, there were three point eight seven million people who had cast a pre-poll vote. As of Tuesday, there were 2.7 million people that have done postal vote. So to date, we've got about 5 million people that have uh, cast the vote. Now, compare that to 2019, Neil, where something like 15 million people did vote prior to the, to, the, um, to, to, to the election. So what we're saying here is, I think, Neil, that people are thinking about how they're going to vote. Uh, They're going to think about the policies. They're going to think about their preferences. They're going to have a real think about where they put their mark because, uh, as I said, in in, in 2019, there were far more people pre-polled, voted earlier than now. So people are holding back and they're waiting till tomorrow, I guess, to cast their vote because they really want to think about it. So that's the feedback we're getting now. Okay, Uh, just a few minutes left for our conversation. Let's come back to some resources. I've been talking about resources uh, through this past hour or two as well, uh, mentioning the Australian Christian Values Checklist, mentioning the Australian Christian Lobby website where there's uh, just a big array of resources. Uh, Also resources on the Family Voice website at familyvoice.org.au. Uh, has there been an uptake, Peter Abetz, for the ACL resources that you've noted in Western Australia? Uh, yes, um, in fact, the uh, I mean, I don't know for Western Australia specifically, but certainly nationally, our website has just, um, the number of hits got has just skyrocketed. Um, and uh, the other thing is, I, I actually, uh, for the last three nights, uh, last two nights, I'm doing it again tonight, um, I've got an open Zoom uh, from 7.30 to 9 where any of our supporters can log on. We send them out the Zoom link 
and they can ask me any questions about the voting system, etc. We can't tell people how to vote or who to vote for, rather, but just to explain the system. And uh, it's been quite interesting how many people who, um, who've been voting for many, many years um, are still so uncertain about the voting system and how preferences work and all that. So I've had the opportunity to explain that to people. So I think there's... Um, uh, I think we need a massive education campaign in this country to actually educate people on how the voting system actually works um, and also for new migrants uh, or new citizens uh, to actually be given some, uh, yeah, it's like some lessons in terms of how, how the system works because not everybody can read a website and understand it all, but when you actually talk people through it, uh, that's kind of uh, very, very helpful. And uh, I ran on about 15 or 20 Politics 101 events around the state, that, as I called it, where I just outlined that the system explained things to people and, and people were just so thankful. Uh, many people had, had never really understood it. I, I think uh, all those things, I think, are really important uh, part of uh, what, what we're doing. I can't remember an election where there has been such quality and widespread resources as this election. And Greg Bonda, the resources you've got on Family Voice Australia website too. Uh, just a quick uh, rundown on some of those that listeners can look look to for some guidance there. Yeah, look, Neil, we have got them on our website. They've been highly sought after. We've had people ask, uh, you know, can we get a copy of that vote wisely document that we produce? But along with the ACL and also Canberra Declaration too, Neil, look, all those documents are excellent resources for Christians who are going out there to vote. And, and I think Peter confirmed that people are holding back. They want to know the rules and how to vote. And I think, again, Neil, I just tell everybody, vote with a biblical conscience on Saturday. Hmm. And before I have to uh, end the segment with the two of you, uh, Peter Abetz, uh, your predictions. Are we in for a hung parliament? Uh, can either side win a majority? Uh, what's the crossbench going to look like? Just a very quick uh, impression, though. What, what are your thoughts for the outcome? Look, I think it's too close to call. Um, I think that, uh, um, yeah, look, I, I, I wouldn't like to, uh, to, to, to sort of say this is my prediction. Uh, my guess is it's going to be very, very close. Uh, I think it will also depend on uh, how the Teals or the Climate 200 uh, independents go. If they end up getting up, then I think it will end up being a, a Labor government. Uh, with uh, that will be supported by the uh, the teal uh, the climate two hundred because I mean the climate two hundred is so left wing they they just wouldn't fit in with a liberal government they they would be going labour I think that would be uh, even though they're saying oh we will decide on the time and what's on offer and all that but if you if you if you know the people uh, and their backgrounds uh, I just can't see them swinging in uh, behind a, a Scott Morrison Liberal government. Okay, and Greg Bondar, a quick prediction yeah. from you. Yeah, very quick one, Neil. Look, I think it'll be very tight. I think the next government will be determined by the independents, Neil, and they're likely to go with Labor. Okay, well, Greg Bondar, Family Voice Australia, he's State Director for New South Wales and the ACT familyvoice.org.au and uh, resources there and uh, Peter Abetz the Western Australian ACL State Director and uh, there are some great resources on the ACL website 
acl.org.au, and that's where you'll find that uh, that wokeometer, the uh, spectrum, who's on the left and who's on the right, and the list of 150 of those practicing Christian candidates. If you are numbering those those uh, candidates below the line, very very valuable information on the uh, the uh, ACL website, acl.org.au, and uh, so to the two of you, I want to say thank you so much for uh, taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart uh, with listeners today around the election issues. Uh, Greg Bondar, thanks for joining us. <clears throat> and uh, and Peter... Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.